Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that everything is all on you, and you better deliver or the game is over. Wow, no pressure, dude. <laughs> What's that term? Operational dysfunction? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. We are, in fact, talking about pressure. We're talking about putting the pressure on the players and is that a good thing or a bad thing most adventures you know you've got the introduction you have rising action you have a climax and then you have the uh uh and maybe a little bumpy bumpy at the end uh and that's supposed to be how stories go all right and uh you know you see it in uh oh uh TV shows and everything else. This is this is the standard. But when you're running a game, a lot of times this is a lot different because uh, you'll have these these periods of where you're trying to have really intense action, but you have this thing called a game system that gets in your way. All right, so you end up having these for the individual players. You have this boom. It's my turn. You know. Da, 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 da. Maybe the, the GM's turn comes around and he basically does something to kick your butt. You know, then oh, you get another jerk, you know, another little pip. Okay, and but you pretty much ignore everybody else during the rest of it. Is the way most people do it now. Sometimes people are like yelling at each other and to do stuff. It doesn't follow that thing. It's actually more like a sport. Okay, where ever you know you're 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 playing football, they're playing football, and or you're playing baseball or something like that, and all of a sudden and they they go up, everything's calm, and then hike, and everyone's screaming, and everything's running, and then it's over, and everyone's relaxes. That's kind of like how gaming is. Okay, so the question you know comes down to is you know loading up on the pressure on the players. Okay, um, never mind the characters. Okay, is, yeah. this a, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Okay. Oh. Um, give me examples where this would be a bad thing. Well, I mean, you have certain people who, if you suddenly, you know, you know you're looking across the table and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you got to do this. You could have people who have certain things going on. You know, again, neurodivergence or... I've had a few players who even have PTSD and it may kick in said psychological um, issues. We'll put that way. We don't want to, I'm, I'm trying not to have ableist talk here. And to me, a last person should be talking ableist, but I mean, you could have that one person where they're focused and if they have the, you know, because I'm autistic, if I get my hyper-focused and someone comes up behind me, I'll jump. But you could have somebody, if you do something suddenly, they could have PTSD and they could, you know, just. So there are times where putting a player under pressure like that could be bad. 
it, it could cause problems where it'll disrupt the game. You might have to calm down or just, you know, like, okay, I didn't mean to scare you, but you know, if you're trying to do it to like, um, evoke an emotion during the game, a ten, a tense moment, like, okay, your character is doing diffusing a bomb, let's say. And it's like, okay, you got 10 seconds. And, you know, they get a little, hey, settle down, you know. And you're trying to evoke that sense of urgency and time running out. Yeah, depending, and again, that's knowing your players. If you know you got someone with PTSD, you might not want to be doing that. Just, yeah, that could be a bad thing. All right, do you think it's a good idea to ever get out the stopwatch and just say, okay, you got 10 minutes to solve this problem. And make it 10 minutes real time? 10 minutes real time. Oh. Just say, you can't sit around and kibitz because, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if, if, if you, have a, you have a situation, an emergency, but you have time travel. So as long as you have time travel, it doesn't matter how long yeah. you plan because you can go back in time and solve the problem. It's like it. Groundhog Day, yeah. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> but I've also seen it in time travel shows where it's like you know they, they say, hey, you know, uh, you know something happened and you know the, the the bad guys went back to the 1400s and they they killed Ferdinand and Isabel. Okay, and and they're like, okay, all right, fine. So let's think about what we're going to do. No, no, we got to go stop it before you know time quakes and stuff. And they're like, okay, okay, yeah, but we've got time to do that. So, but you know, you immediately eliminate all of the uh, drama when you do that. You know, I mean, if you don't, if if you have that ability to just go and say, well, okay, we've got as, as the rest of the night to figure out how to solve the next two minutes of play, then have you actually accomplished anything? You know, is that is that not uh, analysis paralysis? Yeah, yeah, in a way it is. That it slows the game down because you're trying to, again, set out with the game master. Yeah. Just, right. So yeah. what what do you think is a fair amount of time to let people react reasonably to a stressful situation? A couple minutes, and, and and the thing is, I'm blessed with the players when they know, okay, my my groups, which are cross pollinated, we've got people in two or three groups in each. So yeah, it's they all know how I run things. It's like okay, you really can't be spending twenty minutes on how to dope this out. Remember the whole wish ring thing. <laughs> oh no, and they all know. They're like oh yeah, Colleen and Oz with it. Yeah, so. Yeah, they my players kind of know, okay, we want to wrap this up, kibitz out, get it ideas, boom, maybe five minutes. And they've come up with a reasonable plan that we can, you know, proceed with rectifying the problem at hand in the game. All right. So for every ten rounds of action, five minutes of planning. Because that's what it is in D D. Oh. Or are you talking about one one round, five minutes? One round in five minutes. Oh, geez. I mean, 10 seconds in D&D 5.0. Yeah, and it's six seconds in, in, in 3.0. Right. Um, Actually, it still is six seconds. I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah five minutes. Everybody at the table should be able to figure out what they're going to do in the round and like, oh, we're going to coordinate. I'm going to do this and do this to help you and buff you. And uh, yeah. 
Okay. I think five minutes is decent time. So you you think that's fair? You know, is, is it okay for the GM to bring out a little little egg timer and turn it and let it clack? Tick, tick, oh, no, tick, no, tick no. I, I'm not that. No, no, that that I know my players to them. That would be annoying as hell. It's just like I can look at the clock on my thing and I'll tell them, it's nine o'clock. You have till nine oh five. Just it, that's more than enough time for you guys to dope out everything. Just, yeah, it's I, I don't need to set a timer. That to me would be being a jerk. OK, because there are modules out there. OK, where. They literally said, you you know, you start counting, you, you do a 20 sec, you do a 20 countdown and, you know, and, and the players get to basically say what they're doing during that period of time at the end of which you resolve the situation. And usually it was one of these things where the ceiling was going to collapse on them, but they didn't know that, you know, so they had to figure out some way of getting through the door, retreating out of the area or doing something you know, to solve the problem that's about to happen because a lot of times the GM wouldn't even tell you what was about to happen. He'd simply say, okay, he says, what are you going to do now? 29, 19, 18, 17, 16. And he's like pointing around everybody, you know, you know, 10. You, you know, I'm not hearing anybody saying anything. And they're all like, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, you, know, the, 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 you weren't going to call on us individually. You know, that's actually in games. You know, that's actually in modules. Uh, and it was okay. official It was official T, uh, TSR stuff. You know, I believe there's at least one of them is in uh, the Tomb of Horrors, which, of course, was designed as a tournament dungeon at, at Gen Con. So, yes, yeah. time. there was a time limit on play. You had four oh, hours yeah. to get through, the, you know, the, the, the dungeon, and so they, they literally were like counting you down in certain sections, and if you failed, then the roof collapsed on you and you died. You know, so, uh, and, and that makes sense because it was a tournament dungeon. The rest of us who were playing it at home were kind of like, I don't quite understand this whole why, why everybody just had to die. You know, but, you know, they're the experts. <laughs> Now, of course, you know, we're the experts and we know that was not, that was, you know, that there was a very specific reason why that was done and that should have been excised from the, uh, uh, from the module before it was turned into something that was sold commercially to yeah. home players, campaigns and such. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, countdowns, it's, uh, uh, I, you know, I've very rarely done it. Uh, I can't say that nobody liked it. I can tell you that much. Nobody liked it, but at the same time, they did actually do something. You know, it's, I, I, I kind of like it better than just basically saying, it's okay, so you did nothing. Moving on. <laughs> you know, and I've done that too. I've, you know, uh, yeah. I've told people that since they weren't, weren't ready to take their action, uh, they're delaying and uh, when and they'll have to wait until after the next person goes before they get to take their action, even though their initiative said whatever. And and D and D three said that uh, if you delayed an action, wherever you took your action, that was your new point in the initiative order. Ah, okay. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah, and so. You know, the people that were all into going first before everybody got really PO'd about that. I personally always wanted to go last. You know, it was, you kind of want, you wanted to go right before the monsters went. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, but uh, but I always wanted to go last as far as the party was concerned because then I got to see what all these other people were doing, and therefore I could make the the best, you know, solution for my characters. Okay, so uh, and and you know. I was I was the one who was always coming up with the plan because of course I just seen what everybody else was doing. I now knew what everybody had tactically uh, yeah. committed themselves to. Okay, it's, it's a very nice situation to going last. The bad thing about going last is the fact is the monsters usually do get to go before you and they can beat the living crap out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, having a great plan and being uh, 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 petrified really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> really puts a crimp in your day and it's bad for your hair yeah yeah you uh, know just uh you know it doesn't do anything to stiffen your resolve well if you get petrified it stiffens everything yeah okay is there a better way of doing this besides just literally saying the the bad guys are coming you know you know, oh uh, okay you guys are basically not doing what you're supposed to do bam you know uh roll a a random encounter Okay, suddenly you know, a half dozen, dozen hobgoblins start firing uh, bolts from a, uh, a, a, a copse of trees over on the left-hand side, you know, and you know because you want you don't you want them to get going, you want them to move, you want them to do stuff, you know, and you want them to be feel like you know they're living a life of danger and excitement. So, random encounters is one way of of raising the the you know the the pressure and again is is this a good thing or a bad thing i think it's good because it does keep the players the players on their toes realizing just yeah if you're in a certain setting like if you're walking through a wilderness you know like frontier which the kind of thing for D&D is, oh, it's these villages and, you know, it's the roads are okay in the day, but at night they get, you know, all the all the creeps and freaks and weirdos and monsters come out. Yeah, then you know you're traveling at your own risk. There's danger out there. And so the the characters and the, well, the players and the characters know this. So it's, um, but still just throwing something out there, just boom. Yeah, I think it it gets them it gets the players going. I think it, you know, motivates them to keep engaged in the game. I mean, you don't want to do it maliciously. Every time we step out the door, there's a horde of orcs. Wait a minute, you know. But yeah, get the blood pumping, get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. Get them plotting a little more. The occasional shot in the arm as it were. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Okay. I mean, some people would say that you're taking focus away from the main plot by having these secondary type things happening. But I, I would say again that, you know, it's, you know, I don't think that role playing games are like a story. They're more like a sport game where you have skirmishes, you know, and you're working your way down the, you know, toward the goal, you know, and sometimes you, fall back sometimes you move forward sometimes you fumble you know i'm using a lot of sports metaphors here but i'm you see what i'm saying is that yeah. you know they it you know you can have things that end up basically doing nothing you know you 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 you, you, you threw the ball and it, and it you know it land went out of bounds you know yeah. and so 
you know, was that worthless? Well, it might have been. It might have still moved you further down the, the road, or you might have lost things. But the point is, is that your characters, your players, you know, still did something. So, and you were in, you were forced to do something because the GM basically puts you in a situation where you had to. So I think in that case, raising the pressure is good. I like, you know, random encounters that are, they may be random, but they serve a secondary purpose. And that is usually if you're being attacked by somebody who is in any way, even if they're only vestigially related to the main plot line, they usually have information. They can confirm your information or they can tell you something you didn't know. Okay. And I've had things that were like totally, I've had, I had, had games go completely in different directions as a result of that sort of thing. Um, the uh, uh, I had one time they go into a dungeon and they and they get the, in a in a bunch of um, I don't know what they were uh, they were some kind of goblinish type creature come out to attack them and one of the players stands up and says bow down before your queen because she was a drow. And Drow yeah. had not been played in the game, and they're from the Underdark, and therefore this is the Underdark kind of, you know, it's caves and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe these people know what Drow are and stuff like that. And nobody had ever done that to me, you know, as the as the GM, and I went, I rolled. Big positive reaction. They all go, My queen! And they all throw themselves down, please, you know. He says, Do not, do not punish us, you know, we're you know, we you know we are we are protecting our homes. You know, we had no idea it was you. And all of a sudden, you know, the party is now guests of the whole goblinish tribe, uh. and it's and uh, and of course the uh, the player character who's playing the drow, who's usually looked at with great um, derision by the surface dwellers. Yes, that was exactly the word I was going to add. Yeah, yeah, is now being carried around on a chair, uh, given. Free libation, though the quality of it is is, is whatever. Yeah, and of yeah. course, everything that was in their treasure hoard is for her is hers for the taking, which had a couple of nice items in it that she didn't have to yeah. fight for. She just said, "Well, I think I can make better use of that than you." I'll take this scrap off your hands here. Yes. Well, but she also said, "Is that I? You know, I don't want you to think that I'm, you know, that uh, you are merely showing giving me tribute." He says, I have plans for you. So, you know, keep yourselves prepared because uh, I, you know, I, I know of a place further on that together we will be able to, you know, uh, defeat somebody you would not have been able to defeat before you coming with us. Together we'll defeat them and you'll be able to take treasure be far beyond your abilities. You'll be able to take that home. Yes. And they're all like, ooh, that sounds right. How does that relate to, to the topic? <laughs> I had them basically jump out of nowhere. It was a random encounter. I mean, you know, they <clears throat> they were somewhere, they had a lair somewhere in the cave area. You know, uh, I didn't say where. They were just in there. And, 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 and so they. I had to basically build, you know, the goblin tribe and all that stuff. Yeah. Up, you know, but the point was is and roll on tables to see what treasure they had and had a couple of nice items on it. Uh, but the point was is that the player, by 
raising the pressure because by standing up there and saying, I am your queen, they could have taken umbrage against that and yeah. not been willing to negotiate, not been willing to, um, you know, like a lot of these monsters are like, give us a gold piece and we'll let you go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like toll. And, but instead, she they could have said, you insult us to think that we would serve, you know, you. You know, but instead they were like, oh, Queenie, you know, thank you so much for gracing our presence with your awesome, you know, royalness. So that was a lot of fun. They, we Everybody enjoyed that, by the way. That whole thing was like out of nowhere. They enjoyed it. So, uh, but that was the player actually raising the stakes. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so I highly recommend by the way, players raising the stakes. Because that's, you know, that that's that's a gift to the GM. Oh, no, no, no. I can even state an example from, like, five days ago. Pulp campaign. The Pulp 1924 Pulp characters are in a magical realm. They have their guns. And I set up an ambush. Oh, yes, because you helped stop the silver smuggling ring. In three days, you are to negotiate with the lord of the city. Two days, you know, a day before. Yeah, I'm going to take you to the finest tavern and restaurant in the city. And they're there. They're eating. You know, I do the occasional bump into you. And, of course, Jeff's playing the Chicago mobster, Knuckles DeLucci. And it's like, oh, no, no. I'll, I'll look at Jeff and get him in character. Hey, Knuckles, how you doing? You know, <laughs> just, hey, I'm doing pretty good there, you know. And so I played it where the NPC, the guy who lives in the town, bumps into a guy and, what are you doing? You're bumping me and dumping my drink and all that. And of course, Knuckles sees that their new friend Ventor is being, you know, and he's going to reach to show, I have the royal brooch to show I'm high, high sage. And of course, the guy grabs his arm. That's when Knuckles jumps in. We take care of that. They sit back down. Then all of a sudden, more people start filtering in and they're looking a little sketchy. Needless to say, it's a full out scores and scores of people, and it was an ambush. So we get through and we're fighting our way through and everything. And all of a sudden, Knuckles and his infinite wisdom decides, okay, due to our weird science, we basically have Willie Pete ammo, white phosphorus. I fire a hole in the ceiling. Needless to say now, the best inn in the city, not only has it already been trashed in a bar fight, but now the, the ceiling is, you know, part of it came down and it's on fire. Yeah, and and I'm looking at Jeff as, and I cut it at that point, and we and and just okay, shot in the ceiling. I'm looking up the stats as everybody's you know getting ready to go off the Skype call or head out the door. Yeah, congratulations, Jeff. You just started burning down the high court in. Way to go, buddy. What? It caught their attention. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so that is a case of a player elevating the situation. Now, not only do we have to fight our way out of this spacious you know oh in the middle of the room there are these you know white marble columns and oh and this and now the place is on fire and yeah thanks jeff for that by the way i'll deal with you in a month you know when we get back to gaming <clears throat> yeah oh i i've got plans for them oh yeah no um but no that's a good example that i had of player upping the stakes and we're already, you know, fighting for our lives. You know, a lot of us are taking damage and stuff and, you know, knives and short swords are being pulled out from, you know, cloaked assassins. And, and now this jerkwad decides to set the place on fire. Yeah. 
as if it isn't urgent enough already. Yeah. yeah, I think you bring up a good point, which is the best, you know, the, the best kind of raising, putting the pressure on is when the players themselves do it. And one of the best ways of doing that is making sure they have lots of disposable, uh, frangible uh, items to do that with. Okay, because I find that in a lot of games, there is a real dearth of, you know, there's like the major quest items that everybody has. And, of course, they can't possibly, if they lose them, it's a major problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. It becomes the story in and of itself, yeah. okay? But other than that, they've got nothing. They've got no... Uh, you know, no, no weapons, no tricks, no whatever, and uh, so giving people stuff that could do that is really helpful. So, and if you're playing a game like D and D or a more modern game, there's lots of things you could do, like smoke grenades. It's one of the things I used to do in D in, in, in Bureau Thirteen is I had all kinds of gadgets that if people would just ask for them, they were yeah. like, fine, here, here, you know, all this stuff. And I, I had lists and lists of, it's one of the reasons I did the um, uh, the character generators uh, was because then I could put in the equipment list, all this crazy stuff I'd come up on on my own. You know, so people would say things like, well, I've got like three mini grenades. You know, they're the size of like an M80, you know, and they're in my... They're in my pocket, or they're 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 in my belt, or they're under the brim of my hat, or something like that. And I can pull them out, you know, snap the you know the end off, toss it down, and now all of a sudden there's a big there's a sudden you know pop and smoke everywhere, you know, and that's uh and and people will and, and they'll and they'll use it for all kinds of reasons. They'll use it to grab money off of tables in a gambling hall. They'll use it to uh, scare people to get them out of their way. Uh, they'll use it to, uh, uh, of course, get out of paying their bills. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, set the act, act like the place is on fire, and uh, you can basically run out on your on your expensive hotel bills. Um, tossing it inside of someone's car, you know, it's really hard to drive when your car is full of smoke. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, that was actually uh, a device that was um, it was being tested to be used by uh, police forces in other countries. They they wouldn't let us do it here in America, but yeah, they literally yeah. had like a little mini cannon, and they would fire it either through an open window or through the glass in like say a back seat. Put and, a smoke bomb in a car. Yeah. Yeah, and basically it exploded in there, and it was made out of. Um, rocket propellant it was russian rocket propellant and the stuff burned so quickly that it eliminated all the oxygen so basically this stuff explodes into smoke uses up all the oxygen even if you can see you now have nothing to breathe yeah you're going to be stopping that car pretty quickly or well i can see why it wouldn't be used here in america we are a much more how can i put an autocentric culture Oh, I was going to say litigious, but okay. Oh, that okay, that too, but I was going to bring that up down the line. Oh, yeah, the cops, you know, they fire this this mini smoke grenade into the car, and congratulations, the car goes careening into a group of school children or hit an old lady crossing the street or it crashes through a store front and, you know, customers are hurt. Oh, no, I could see so many ways here that that, 
that they saw would go wrong and just that would not fly here. No. Now, Europe, they have less of an auto centric culture. They have more passenger and pedestrian. Okay, I could see where they might want to use it there. But here in this country, no, that would like a lead balloon. Just nope, just there. And there'd be so many groups that would just say, why do you have this? They would find out that, oh, we bought these now to help, you know, stop car chases and detain. Yeah, as the car goes careening into, you know, yeah, I could see Joe. That would just fall flat. I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, I, I, you know, it would be a way to. But still, just for that one thing, I just see so many. And again, I was in the criminal justice field studying in college, and I'm just thinking, no. Well, (laughs) fun for your cyberpunk game, though. Where life is meaningless anyway. That's right. No, no one ever goes to court. People kill each other over a pair of shoes. Yeah. Right. yeah. No one ever goes to court in cyberpunk. Right, yeah. It's the quick and the dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you're you're using something like that in a car, you're gonna be both. Yeah. Right. So my but yeah. my point is is that by giving people, you know, small frange frange as frangible as in breakable and therefore they have they don't they don't continue. You basically they're disposable. Okay, you know, you give the players a lot more things to think about. Now, hopefully this does not cause analysis paralysis. Right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't like the fact that, that uh, later editions of, of D&D nerfed flaming oil so much. Uh, because flaming oil used to be the go-to for, you know, combat for people who weren't like big sweaty, you know, fighter types. Yeah. Because, you know, you had your mages and your clerics who... Your clerics were basically out of touch because they all their spells were healing spells. Yeah, yeah, they were. The mages support. had one good spell a day, which is why I I, I always advocate yeah. that if I was starting a first or second edition campaign, I would I would give every everybody would have a cantrip, you know, like they do in like fourth and fifth edition, where you have you know a basic attack that you can make this magical if you're a mage or a cleric, okay. You know, and uh, yeah. because right now what we have instead is, you know, I mean, either you could do that, okay, or they fire crossbows. Like everyone seems to have a crossbow, <laughs> except my yeah. character, okay, you know, who is who, who basically has twin pistols, you know, and, and, a, and a big and a, and a big sombrero. But you know, and he, he's he's a uh, no, he's a gnome artificer. So <laughs> yes, let me introduce you to my little friend. But the point here is, is that you know more stuff you know for them to use usually happens is is that the gm makes the uh doesn't give out enough gold so the uh uh you know or the tech services doesn't authorize the equipment so it's 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 too expensive to get the small frangible items you know but they'll give them the big items okay (laughs) Uh, but then they have to protect the big items, and the big items can only be used in the big situation. So I'm just saying is that, you know, lots of little fun things to do, like, you know, uh, like I said, smoke grenades, things that, like, make sound, like ventriloquism, uh, uh, you know, sound effects of various kinds, uh, the you know, uh, little little minor hacker things that causes every phone you know in the room to start ringing you know ah yeah i mean little little stuff that you can do uh things that like a a potion of jumping you drink the potion you can now leap 
you know, 40 feet. Yeah. It's great stuff, you know, Batman's batarang on, on, on a string. I mean, how many times has that saved his bacon? I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, where's a utility belt for a reason? So that's one thing that I think, you know, allows the players to raise the pressure, you know, raise the interest and, um, and, and gives them, a, you know, a sense of empowerment. Uh, and I think that's a good thing, uh, a, a good way to raise the pressure. Unfortunately, uh, there's an old saying, which is, is that when in doubt, blow something up. Okay. Oh, you haven't uh, heard that yeah. phrase? This is what happens whenever the players get into analysis paralysis. Somebody goes and throws a grenade. Usually the GM's NPC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because that way now they they have a different problem. Yeah, that's 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 an old saying, which is, is that you do this and you know you have a problem, you do this now you have a different problem. You know, so they interviewed the people that survived uh, jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, which is like a six hundred foot drop down into cold water, and yeah, uh, most people die. Uh, but if oh you, yeah, it's because it's still like hitting cement. Yeah. Yeah, because water at that at that height can't get out of the way. Like when you splash water, it can't get out of your way. You're hitting it too fast, so it's just like hitting concrete. It's incompress. It's an incompressible liquid. Okay. Uh, so, and you know they they asked these these people who survived. You know, and and they said, "What did you learn from doing this? You tried to commit suicide. You failed." You know, you most of you had to go through some kind of rehabilitation afterwards because you got injured. Uh, but what did you learn? And they said, well, it's funny thing is, is that when I let go of the bridge and started falling, I suddenly realized that there was a solution to every single problem that I had. I could see with absolute clarity that there were a hundred options for every problem I had except for the fact that I just let go of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where raising the pressure is a problem. <laughs> you know, if you can do that and not place them in a situation where they're now going to have to make a save versus death or something like that, then this could be really great. We like to go and make people pay for the consequences of their actions, but yeah. it's a game. So therefore, you always have to say yes and versus yes but when somebody does something that is bad in the sense that is negative for their the party or negative for the character the gm has to follow that up and say and then this happens you know or you know or you do this and what you didn't realize was this and to somehow allow the story to continue. It can be an ex deus machina, though I, I personally don't really like that, unless, of course, you've had it planned from the very beginning. Um, I've had so many dungeons you know, where it was some high-level muckety-muck, and he was testing the humans, or even trying to get them, you know, up levels, you know, so that he could then use them more effectively later on. So when they get into situations where they're going to die, the guy could just basically let them die and then resurrect them. Okay, and I, I think that's fine. I think there should be a hell of a lot more of that 
going on in the game because you know they, they have all these resurrection type stuff that you can do at like fourth level rather than going all having fifth and sixth and seventh like it used to be you know uh, or someone carrying around a rod of resurrection you know they now have things where if you die and someone goes and casts restor uh, revivit uh, revivify within one minute bam you're back it just costs you like a 400 gold piece gem and yeah uh, and that's and that's where the gm has to give them enough money so they can afford those kinds of things so i've done that you know where I, i've had these situations where i was trying basically making it seem like they're gonna die all the time uh, and but there was always some way of mitigating it or something would happen you know, at the very last minute, suddenly a group of uh, antagonistic um, uh, NPCs would run in from another room and engage them, and suddenly the tide would turn and they would actually beat them. And they'd be like, you know, hey, where'd you go from? Oh, we were exploring the, the eastern wing, you know, and, and we heard all this noise and we came rushing over here thinking that it was a bunch of monsters. And, and, and of course it was, it's you guys. But, I mean, there were these other monsters and I'm glad we were able to defeat them. So, and they're all like, well, you know, you want to join up with us? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, you, you we have our own ways of doing things. We'll just keep going this way. And then they vanish and you never see them again. The GM's like, ha, ha, ha. You know, I saved their bacon, but at the same time, they got for a second there. They thought they were all going to die. You know, and, <laughs> you know. So you, you got that kind of brinkmanship kind of thing going on. If you don't, if you do that all the time, of course, they're going to clue in on it. Yeah, so, yeah. They're going to say, you know, the GM's always going to save us. You know, and maybe that's true. If you have uh, what they refer to as a uh, group template, uh, a basically a, a campaign document that says this is allowed this isn't allowed i've been wanting to say for years death is off the table if i get knocked to zero i'm unconscious i wake up you know the monsters have captured me or the monsters have taken my stuff and they just left me there you know half naked or naked okay you know in the dungeon and i've got to work from there on okay i would be fine with that you know there's you know, and the same time is that when you go and you kill the monsters, they're not dead. They're just unconscious. So now you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with them because, you know, if you just knock out a whole bunch of monsters, leave them behind you, keep going further down into the dungeon, you come back, they're still going to be there. Yeah. Because they woke up. They got healed or whatever like that. So, but no one has been willing to do that. They want they want death. They want the, the finality of the resolution of each situation, you know, every, every, every monster they defeat dies, you know, talk about your murder hobos, right? Yeah. 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 But I just think it's interesting where, you know, they have all these mechanisms for keeping the player characters alive, like death saves and, and things like that. But a monster gets knocked, gets knocked down to zero drops and they assume he's dead. Yeah. And, and it's like, Oh no. I've had things where they have not checked the monster. Okay, he's down. And I've done, okay, no, he managed to get back up. Or he made his fourth save or, you know, the whole thing, you know, you think he's dead and all of a sudden he grabs your leg or whatever or slips out a knife and stabs you in the calf or whatever. Oh, no, I've done things like that. Or he runs to a secret door and gets ahead of you and warns the tribe. Yeah, yeah, if you manage to get him. Which is, but the problem with that is, is that then they go and, you know, 
the you know the player characters that they, they wanted to do, start slitting everybody's throat and I had groups that did that it's like we're we're, we're gonna double tap everybody you know and I'm like really and I'm like yeah because you know that way we're sure they're not gonna follow us you know they're not gonna get back up and dead men tell no tales and you know nobody's gonna be putting those uh, strange eyeglasses on them that allows them to, allows someone to see the last thing that they saw. Because you know it's going to be my ugly mug that everyone remembers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now the whole Wild Wild West thing with the... That is a man's head. The whole device where you're seeing the... Yeah, the... No, it just... What, what I will do that is I've, I've done... Well, you don't know if he's dead. He's down and not moving, you know, and... Yeah, he's down and unconscious. Yeah, it's like he's down. That's all I tell him. I don't yeah. give them any more information. Because... I mean, in third edition, you were supposed to you were supposed to do a healing check to know that that person was actually dead. Right. Yeah, like a DC fifteen heal check to put you know, you know, check the pulse or whatever. You know. Yeah. 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 And if you didn't do it, then you just didn't know. They could be faking. Yep. Yep. They could have just dropped to the ground and acted like they're dead. Then I'll do something like. Sense motive check, you know, just, yeah, just because of bluffing, you know, them trying to be still and breathe very imperceptibly, just to, it says, oh, you got a, you got a 25 on the sense, oh, no, he's still breathing. Okay, so I run my sword through him. Okay, well, now he's dead. Congratulations, it's a coup de grace. If he was just unconscious, he'd be breathing too, you know? Yeah, yeah. But still, it, it's it, usually they'll have to look, and I'll either give them a perception check or make them do a heal check, or you know, just a okay, yeah, very thready pulse, yeah. You know, it's like he'll be like at out of you know negative ten, he'll be down. Oh, he's you know he'd be negative nine. It's a very thready pulse, and that usually my players are like, oh yeah, okay, I just okay, coup de grace, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always try to 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 bring you know. The, the people I knock unconscious up to zero at least because then I can go and question them. Uh, speak with dead is there's so many better other spells I could use in that slot. Oh yeah. So I'm just saying is, is it I'd much rather just, you know, bring, do a little minor healing and, uh, and bring them up to zero and then interrogate them. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you know, answer my questions or, you know, I'll make this permanent. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna believe you because they're like looking at their wounds, bleed, you know, still oozing. Usually, it's you know we also my players make sure okay we bring him back to life. He is bound. He ain't moving. Yeah, because it, it's like they think I'm gonna have him jump up and all of a sudden you know. Oh no, my players are real thorough with that. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna heal him back up. We're gonna bandage him up. You know, tie his hands and legs together where he's sitting, and then we're just going to slap him once to wake him up. Okay, he's awake. Yeah, because they know it's apparently I. They think I'm going to do that. Just have him. Oh, he had a hidden knife on him. It's like, oh no, my players are thorough. It's like we check him for hidden objects. We tie him up. We yeah, it, it's they they seem to have this thing. They think I'm going to do something. Like, I've never done it. It just my player. I guess they. You know, it's that damage from previous GMs. I don't know. Just you know. could be, or it could yeah. be your reps somehow. You know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have players that are, swear that I that I'm going to kill them, and I literally had this happen Monday. Okay, two days ago. This guy is 
you know, again, we we have a we have an alien saucer which has like the 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 saucer. Or, I mean, it's like a shaped like a saucer, but it's got the thing that goes around it. You know, like the the rings of Saturn. Okay, it's a buzz saw. Okay, it's called a buzz saucer. All right, and they have this. All right, and the uh, the bad guys basically threw a biopod that hit up on the upper surface, starts sprouting all kinds of tentacles, goes and grabs one of the player characters, the one in question we're talking about, okay, and starts dragging him basically back to itself, which means it's going to cr bring it right across the saw blades. Yeah, and we're talking basically something that could cut a tree, right? Yeah, so very tense situation. He, man you know, someone manages to shoot the tentacle, you know, so he falls to the ground and uh, uh, and then he, he gets up and, and he, you know, he's being attacked by two more that are on other parts of it. There's this whole big thing. And at the end of it, they kill all the, you know, the, the, the monsters. You know, we're using Savage World, so they only have like you know, one hip, one one wound. If you take one wound, they're gone. And it's all over and done with, Okay. And I and I said, hey, you know, guess what? And he's like, what? I tried to kill you. And guess what happened? He says, what? You're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I guess it isn't a foregone conclusion. <laughs> because if nobody had done anything, uh he would have been dragged across those uh, whirling blades and he would have yeah. been cut in half. Or, you know, I mean, pretty pretty da serious damage. That's the thing. You, you'd be salsa right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because uh, all he was wearing was an environmental suit, which has the same protection as, you yeah, know, yeah, standard yeah. body armor. That's not going to protect you against, you know, something like that, you know. You would have been wood chippered. <laughs> so, but it was... Yeah. Uh, it's, it was one of those things where suddenly out of nowhere this 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 kind of happened, and they had this big battle that was only like three rounds long, three to four rounds long, and uh, but uh, it was very very exciting, and we basically you know uh, uh, did a few things afterwards and called the session over. So I ended okay. on a high note was what yes. I was trying for. That player is just feeding his paranoia. <laughs> You know, even though he was really, except for the one moment where he was going for the blades, he was relatively safe the entire time, you know, because there were like six other people to be, to be, you know, to split the attacks between. The final point was where he goes and uh, uh, he, he fires a, a gun that he had, which is a blaster at one of the monster pods, you know, sections like that, that had grabbed two people. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Damage, 17 points of damage, all right? It has 10 points. That's way over what it needs to do. One wound, you've killed it. Oh, and by the way, this is a blaster. Do you remember what I said about blasters? He's like, no. Blasters cause an explosion on the surface of the target. Oh, yeah. These guys were all being held, grappled by this monster. So they all take damage, the same damage the monster took. Yes. Oh, now they're going to blame me for this. I said, well, who else fired the blaster? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we had, yeah, because we, we, we had uh, a lot of different choices of weapons. Mostly they were firing standard gun guns, you know. 
Yeah. But uh, but we had blasters, we had um, disruptors, uh, we had uh, uh, lasers, we had uh, you know regular like you know three fifty seven magnums, yeah. uh, and uh, and this one thing which is called an anti plant rifle, okay. which these were plants, and so firing that does tremendous damage to them and almost no damage to anybody who's not a plant. So, uh, uh, but unfortunately, he that particular character didn't have one. So, it was uh, he used his 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 choice B, <laughs> which you know he would he 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 wanted to use it because he knew it did a lot of damage. You know, versus but he using, didn't realize just he didn't realize that there was going to be um, uh, massive collateral damage, damage collateral damage right. So it's like good. And I told this to I told this to my wife, and she says, well, "Wait a second, blasters don't do that." I said, "What blasters are you talking about?" She says, "Well, you know, they use blasters in in all kinds of ga space games, and they don't, you know, they don't cause everybody around them to 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 you know to explode and stuff." And I said, "Well, okay, <laughs> some games they do, some yeah. games they don't. It just depends on the world, you know. It's it's not. I mean." I always think it's amazing where people get hit with phasers in Star Trek and that person disintegrates, but the person yeah. standing next to them is perfectly fine. That is some amazing isolation of effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so no, no, you think they at least get some second to third degree burns off of that. Well, yeah, because you see the person next to them glow red for a bit and then, yeah. Be coming away. Yeah, you killed Joe, and I got a sun. I got you know nice sunburn. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I gotta go see McCoy and listen to him grumble. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, any other things that you can think of that can be done to raise the pressure? You know, would be acceptable to the players. Not really. No. 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 Usually, what do you think about capturing somebody and using them? Using them not as ransom. But more like a, um, if you know, if you attack us, then we're going to kill this person. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. I, I totally didn't realize that. Well, no, I, I kind of got that as an option for the Saturday game because it, it, I'm using the troops, which are kind of like swarms, but it's small and medium-sized characters. It's kind of like the swarm tactic for, like, like we did with the Melor in a Fringe of the D20. And so, oh no! At any time, they could be any one of them could be grappled and just be like, you know, pull a sword to the throne. It's like, okay, you you attack us, and you know, the little dark skinned lady with the babushka gets it, you know, and just yeah, no, it it that yeah that that makes things real tense real quick. I I and I was planning on doing that, and I was, didn't come to mind that that could be a thing. Yeah, um. I do like that, that because especially if it's either an NPC that the players know and they want to protect, or if you can do it to one of the PCs, even better. Because then it gives the PC being grappled and threatened agency. It's like, okay, I got to get out of this. I'm going to end up with an extra mouth on my throat. Yeah, how am I going to do this? And it gets them going. So, yeah, I do. I, I, I would actually do either an NPC where there's emotional attachment or one of the PCs if they, you know, they fail to grapple check or whatever. Right. 
Do you think you have to play fair with this kind of situation? No, the player, the characters know, okay, if I get grabbed, I get a sword in my throat, there's a good chance I'm going to die. Unless I have some type of ability or power or... Because if I try to cast a spell, they'll know I'm doing it. They'll just... So... What I'm saying is if someone's being used as, as being held hostage... And they're saying, you know, if you do if you do X, we're going to kill so and so. Yeah, you have no guarantee they're not going to kill them immediately and act like they're still alive. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, is it from the standpoint of the game? You know, I mean, in real life, yeah, that happens a lot where they just kill the person and you know they uh, uh, and they keep acting like you know the the, the person's still there and they're using them as a as a hostage uh but in a game i'm just wondering you know it's <clears throat> is that is that going to come across as as foul foul ball well i mean if they're villains they're you know they're the bad guys that's the whole point yeah, but that's so. my point is that how bad can the bad guys be can the bad guys be that bad or having made this kind of agreement you know uh can you expect them to hold up their end is that something that you should be able to expect? Hmm. I don't know. If they're a bad person, it's it's a lot of my players, they say, oh, no, this person is going to kill them one way or another. And I have the type of people who they'll, I want to do the trick shot and try to, you know, pop them in the head, you know, so I don't hit my friend or the, you know, the kid yeah. or whatever. And yeah. they have that in, uh, in, um, uh, D20 Modern, they have, you know, they have the ricochet shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, uh, I think it's for the Gunslinger. And they got the called shots for, uh, in a Pathfinder on Ultimate Combat. Yeah, so that all the, the whole rules for, oh yeah, and uh, body parts. I mean, Grand, you're taking a minus and you gotta go up against the full, um, uh, target AC, which means you add in the DR, you know, normal armor class. I do touch for mine and just armor's damage reduction. But yeah, if you if they pull it off and it's like I let them know, okay, you do realize you do miss this shot. That character dies because they will sit there as soon as you do the shot, and if it doesn't drop, yeah. So as a GM, I let them know this. You know, I was like, okay, you know the consequences of what you're about to do here. Yeah, just. But no, it, it, it's that type of uh, hostage situation. Yeah, that can be used in any genre. Sci-fi, fantasy, superhero, modern, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it's good across the board. Okay. And I, I, and I think, yeah, that, that's, that definitely ups the ante. But it just helps that it's either one of the PCs or an NPC that is important to... Like you walk into the room back to talk to your your SME and the SME's got, you know, the knife to the throat, you know. All right. I'm just saying, so you're saying it's okay to, uh, to basically, uh, break faith, be an, be an oath breaker in those circumstances. And that the players are going to be okay with that because they were bad guys to begin with. Yeah. That, that's the whole point. If they're going after these villains, they're, oh, they're okay. They're okay. Going, I'm just saying, yeah. I, I know of people that would be like, you know, they, 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 they think that, you know, the villains should have some standards. <laughs> well, okay, see, that that's, again, you're playing the villain properly. Lawful evil, yeah, they're going to have the standards. Neutral and chaotic, nope. 
Okay. Neutral and chaotic evil? No, they'll they'll slit the throat. Oh yeah, I'll do it. And it's, all of a sudden, it's like yeah. You know, again, again, you have the uh, the situation of the group template where if you have in the group template that death is off the table, then uh, I guess the next step would be lopping off body parts as a as a substitute for killing somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you want to get them back with all the parts, then you better, you know, yeah. hold your ground. This is this is a very sharp knife. And, yeah. And, 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 and You might be getting your friend back with a few missing fingers. Yeah, I haven't had a shot of Jet for a while, and my hands begin to shake. Oh, boy. I don't yeah. know if you know very much about uh, uh, Fallout. Uh, no, there's no. A, there's a drug called Jet that are used by the Okay, Raiders. I think you did mention that, yeah. Well, it was in the game. We played, uh, uh, we did play Fallout. One of the characters yeah. uh, was addicted to Jet. And uh. Uh, and it, it, it's it's great when you're, you know, on the drug because you have all these bonuses. But then when the drug runs out, you go way down. Ah, <laughs> uh, and uh, that crash, yeah. Yeah, you... And, and and what's worse is is that you if you wait long enough you either die or you recover, but if you're an addict you're going to go and take that drug again well, yeah. the next time you get an opportunity. So there you are back on the wagon again. So it's yeah. it, from a role playing standpoint it's it's great, uh, but uh, for all the other players it could be really sucky because it's like you know so and so needs a, a round or two to to get pumped up again. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, they're they're asleep right now because <laughs> they're 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 on the down on the downslope. Okay, well, all right, that's all. That was the only other thing I could think about was like say you know raising the pressure by by um, holding people hostage or you know coming out you know with the the stick of dynamite that's burning down. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Saying this is the way it's gonna be, folks. And they're like, you just got one stick of dynamite. And that's when the guy pulls open his coat. You see he's got dynamite hanging yep, over him. strapped all over and him. And by yeah. the way, that is from, um, uh, I think it's called uh, uh, Gonna Get You Sucker. Uh, oh, Jam I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James yeah, Colburn as the, guy, as the guy that was, uh, you know, had all the sticks of dynamite on him. Oh. I think it was, I think it was that one. I'm gonna get you, sucker. That was Keenan Ivory way in. Yeah, no, that's it's yeah. the wrong title, but it's it's the one that okay. had James Colburn, and uh, he rode around on a motorcycle. So it was set in like the 1920s, and they were trying to get some. Basically, they were trying to bust a, a bank deposit, a gold depository open. Oh, okay. And so the bad guys knew that only one person could could do this, and it was this crazy guy who literally walked, smoking cigars, walking around with nitro, you know. Uh, with, with with sticks of dynamite dripping nitroglycerin, he would just like go and flick it, you know, and it'd be like boom, boom on the ground <laughs> from the nitroglycerin coming off of these sticks of dynamite. He was just covered with them. And okay, who, what actor was this? James Colburn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he would do something like that back in the day, that character, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, usually he you'd see him playing a very positive character, and in this case, he was a villain, a crazy villain. If you guys have, uh, you guys are listening to us. If you haven't seen some of these movies, you know it's really kind of fun to go back and and, and see some of these crazy films that are, uh, you know, 
<laughs> can be great inspirations to you as as NPCs because yeah. I I think about you know uh, you know playing that kind of a character right now with my guy who's a uh, uh, you know who, who's a artificer you know and it's just like you know who's also an alchemist by the way the subclass yeah. and he, you know no one just you see him walking around just dri dripping with with explosive devices it's <laughs> just. You know. And and I'm working toward that actually. You know, I I, have ah. a, I, I actually have a uh, 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 plans, a plan. You know, that you have to have to make grenades. Oh, okay. And so I'm, uh, I just need a little bit of time. I'm going to make a whole bunch of them, and and mostly I'm going to keep them for myself, but I'm going to spread them out amongst the players. And yeah, sure. Because right now we don't have any, you know, anything that does a lot of damage. The only thing that does a lot of damage is literally the fighters swinging their swords. Yeah, because they get two attacks around, you know they're all, you know, maxed out on their strength, so yeah. they could do like fifteen points of damage in a, I mean thirty points of damage in a round. So you know okay. it's a lot of damage, <laughs> and uh, so being able to like do uh, like three three d eight, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In an area of effect. You know, is not a good. It's it's not a fireball, but I don't have to. Ha I don't have to be a mage and have to have a spell slot for a fireball right. either. I literally can be carrying these in a you know in in, in a, a a padded jacket, yeah, you know, with little pockets, you know, padded pockets for each of them, and pull the pin and throw. So, all right. Anyways, hopefully you guys have gotten some good ideas. So sometimes you know uh, raising the pressure is good. Sometimes it's bad. You know, I don't want to say the standard what know your players, but basically remember that a gaming session is really not a story. You know, you're trying to overall you're trying to tell a story, but it doesn't follow the same rules as you know what you do in a narrative. Okay, it's really a lot more like a sports game where you have you know successes and failures, but ultimately you're trying to work your way toward that goal and final success of winning the game. So uh, keep that in mind when you're you're setting these things up and uh, try to uh, get the players to raise the volume or to increase the, uh, the pressure instead of you doing it through your NPCs. We'll have more for you next week, but you're going to have to wait. Until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.